0: Hi folks, I'm Lindsay Ray, otherwise known as UK Bid Writer. SMEs need to approach tendering for public or private sector commercial contracts in a different way to larger organisations. To really stand out from the competition and show off what makes your business the best choice for that contract, you need a specialist in SME tendering. In each episode of the UK Bid Writer podcast, I'll give you practical and effective, tried and tested information and advice on bid writing and bid management to help you win more tenders. Today, I'm going to give you the basic nuts and bolts of responding to the longer form questions on a tender, which are often called the quality question. So, in the last episode, we talked about the SQ, that's the selection questionnaire or standard selection questionnaire which covers the general, mostly unchanging and self-certifying information about your company that you need to give to progress onto the next stage. Today, I'm going to talk about that next stage in fairly general terms because, as I've mentioned before, my aim with this first series of the UK Bid Writer podcast is to very deliberately start at the beginning and cover some of the initial, most fundamental steps that many of my clients come to me for help with. In further series, I will go into much more depth on all sorts of topics, including how to break down and understand what quality questions are actually asking for, how to use that information to build solid structure for your answers, how to weave a compelling narrative around that structure and much more. And in fact, that's the reason for the lag between the last episode and this one. It's been really tricky to narrow such a complex subject down into an easy 15 minute or so segment. So for now, I just wanna give you some tried and tested, super simple tips that will help you maximize the points you can score and give you a bit more confidence in the bid that you're submitting. If you do want to leap ahead or if there's something specific you want to know more about, there are all sorts of written posts on my website. Go to ukbidwriter.com forward slash resources or just bop on down to the show notes. I'll put a few links in there too. Okay, let's get into it. First of all, what kind of questions will you generally be asked? Well, while the actual wording of the individual questions will vary from tender to tender, depending on the product or service, and what kind of organisation the contracting authority is, for the most part, most tenders want to know broadly about the same things. At the very least, they want to know if you can deliver the products or services in the way they have imagined within their specification, whether you have the capability, capacity, resources, and experience to meet the contract requirements, and that might include staffing, recruitment and training, premises and equipment, and your subcontractors and supply chain. And they'll also want to know how you'll manage both the day-to-day delivery of products or services and the -the behind-the-scenes contract related stuff, such as orders, invoicing, and so on. Also, how you'll monitor, measure, and report your performance on the contract. And this is where KPIs and SLAs come in. That's Key Performance Indicators and Service Level Agreements. And that topic definitely deserves at least a whole other episode at some point, so keep your ears open for that one. And then beyond the actual delivery of the contract spec, they may also want to know how you can support their wider aims. So they may ask about social value, local employment and apprenticeships, environmental management and any kind of charters you're signed up to like the UK Prompt Payment Code for instance. So in a minute I'll get into how to use the questions themselves to develop a solid structure for your answers. But before we get to that, let's just talk briefly about word limits. A lot of people find word limits stressful and sometimes when the question is complex and the word limit is relatively small, it seems impossible to answer effectively. Conversely, when the word limit seems particularly large, you might wonder how on earth you're going to find enough to say. However, I personally think that word limits on the whole are actually a positive thing. They force you to remove the waffle, focus on answering the actual question. And this makes the assessor's life easier by giving them something obvious to score. And while you won't gain marks for making it easier to read, sadly there are no prizes for following instructions, you can at least be confident that you won't lose marks for incomprehensibility. But the bigger benefit of word limits is that they can give you a pretty good idea of what the buying organisation is expecting in terms of content. For instance, a 100 word limit is essentially a couple of paragraphs. A 250 word limit is roughly half an A4 page. A 500 word limit is around a page. A 1,000 is two pages and so on. So if the question has a larger word limit, say 1,000 words or more, then you can reasonably assume that they're expecting a fair amount of detail. If it's around 3,000, then yeah, they are expecting war and peace. But if the word limit is low to average, say 350 to 500 words, then you can assume that they want a fact-filled response with a brief explanatory intro or summary. And if the word limit is very low, 200 words or less, then you need to stick to just the most relevant, important facts. In any case, where word limits are in place, you should always assume they want at least something more than a yes or no answer, because otherwise they would have just given you a checkbox to tick. And for your own sanity, where no limits are in place, I strongly suggest setting some yourself anyway, because this will help you cut out the dead wood and focus on writing a sharp response that the assessor can easily score. In a minute, I'll talk about how to use the question to structure your answer. But right now, let's have a word from our sponsor. We haven't heard from her in a while and she seems like a nice lady. If you like what you've heard so far, head over to my website at ukbidwriter.com forward slash coaching to find out more about my unique one-to-one coaching programme. Through real-time coaching during a live bid, you'll become a confident and successful bid writer. You'll learn how to improve your bid writing skills, understand tender questions, structure your answers effectively, optimise your internal processes, Save time and relieve pressure, and produce high scoring bids time after time. Let's get started today. Okay, so now we can look at how to use the questions themselves to develop a logical structure for answering them. This is a double win because not only does this method make it easier for you to write your answers, it also, yet again, makes it easier for the assessors to score. And that's always a good thing. So to do this, you want to chop each question up into its component parts. And especially where your answers may be lengthy, thinking back to those word limits, it helps to break the question down into distinct subjects. For example, if the question says, Describe your approach to quality assurance including the systems and processes you use to record quality performance information and how you ensure compliance with stated performance measures because procurement people speak like that You can break this down into A. The formal quality processes you follow B. Who is responsible for those processes C. How you monitor and measure quality and D. How any quality issues are addressed so at this point, you can turn these subjects into clear headings and write a bit about each under each one. And you could even top or tail the whole thing with a bit of blurb about your overall attitude towards quality assurance, why it's important and so on. This will help assessors understand every aspect of your process and make it easier for them to assign realistic scores to your response. Now, obviously, that's the super light version, just to give you an idea. And if you want something more in depth, part one of my written series on structure and narrative might be of interest. I'll link to that in the show notes and I will also be doing some further episodes on various themes from there at some point in the future. So subscribe now through your preferred podcast platform or over on YouTube, because I'm over there now too. Now, once you've got the bare bones of your answer written, you'll want to add further value wherever you can. At this point, I suggest having yet another read of the invitation to tender documents. And this time actively look for anything in the specification or in the supporting documents that could be interpreted as either a formal requirement or at the very least a preference that you haven't already covered. And then see where you can tie those into the various draft answers that you've got. However, don't restrict yourself to just the specification. As well as individual product and service requirements, look at the organisation's own aims and values and try to adjust those points as well. Next, expand on those answers further if you can. If you've got the space to do so, expand on the points you're making tell them about accreditations, awards, great performance stats from other contracts, anything really that will show off your company's skills, internal procedures and experience, and really hammer home why you would be the best supplier. You could also include additional documentation as evidence, for example, certificates, testimonials, or mini case studies. But do check in the instructions, what's allowed and what isn't before you do that, because you don't want to get disqualified for adding in information that's not allowed. And finally, keep it simple. The contracting organisation will most likely be giving either your full response or, and this happens more frequently than you'd think, just individual sections of your response to an assessment panel, which might even include people with little or no knowledge of your particular industry or sector. So make sure all your answers are understandable by virtually anyone. Assessors don't need to be impressed by your mastery of the English language, to take out any excessive or flowery words and replace them with plain English. And likewise, remove business buzzwords and jargon. They just need to know what you do, how you do it, why you do it better than anyone else. That said, by all means, use relevant acronyms to save space and make your word counts count. But don't forget to explain them at least once in every answer that they're used in. Speaking of saving space and a personal bugbear of mine, don't use three or four words where just one will do. Make the best use of every word you've got by getting rid of waffle, for example you can take out any as a company we and in order to and just replace them with simply we and to and then you can use that extra space to reinforce just how great your company is magic and finally finally just one more thing something that should seem blindingly obvious but i could tell you some absolute horror stories so it's clearly not evident to everyone and that is answer all the questions well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the UK Bid Writer podcast. Make sure to visit my website at ukbidwriter.com and subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a trip. And you can now find me on YouTube. Pop over there and let me know what other stuff you'd like to see from UK Bid Writer on the podcast or beyond. The links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, it'd be great if you give it a rating on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. or Just tell a friend or a colleague and spread the word. Don't forget, you can also contact me directly to talk about what your business needs most to win more contracts by emailing me at lindsay at UKBidWriter.com or to find me on the usual social channels, just search for UKBidWriter. You've been listening to Lindsay Ray, otherwise known as UK Writer, offering specialist expertise for UK SMEs. See you next time.